Welcome to the April Men's Breakfast here at Church on the Move. Uh, my name is Johnny Hampton, founder of Men's Breakfast. I'm joined today by our Oklahoma Secretary of State, Mr. Michael Rogers. Welcome. Glad to have you. Yes, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's been quite a wild ride here in our state the last few days. And I, you know, as we plan these breakfasts out, it's, it's really interesting how God's hand is on who speaks and when they speak. We had uh, our founding pastor, Willie George, last month, and man, what a timely word that he, he gave to all of us. But for you to be here today, and, and especially be in the midst of all the changes that are going on in our state and all the announcements that are handed down, you know, we're watching daily socially to see what happens and what kind of changes we need to make uh, to our home and to our businesses. But I kind of want to ask the, probably the more obvious question is, what, what in the world does the Secretary of State do for our state? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I get that asked a lot. I mean, to be honest with you, a few years ago, I'd be asking that same question. It's, uh, I've got multiple roles. Uh, you know, primarily, uh, I run an agency. So the Secretary of State's office is the, uh, uh, the office that takes in all the LLCs. You know, we oversee uh, administrative rules. We house all the uh, notaries. Um, so we've got about, uh, about 40 employees and uh, have a really good group. And so that's kind of that's the, the one hat. Uh, but my primary hat, what I was brought in to do is, is to be the uh, chief policy negotiator for the governor. So, you know, my job in simplistic form is to make sure the doors are open when the governor wants to get something done and make sure they're closed when he doesn't. Wow. So you're right next to our, our governor then? Oh, yeah. We're, we... Uh, <laughs> We, we see each other pretty frequently and, and are in meetings probably two or three times a day and uh, have got a, got a really good opportunity to uh, serve next to a really good man. And you've been in office for how long now in that office? Well, it feels like six years after this uh, past few weeks, but uh, we took office last January, so a little over okay. a year. And you know, it's interesting, during that time, you, you and I talked about this, that we've had a, here in Oklahoma, we've had a historic flood, we've had the oil and gas fallout, and then now a pandemic. Um, you and I talked about how uh, you felt like that God had really been kind of leading you guys into this, into this time with some, some Bible studies you've been having. So tell me some about that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, our team, there's a big group of us. I mean, uh, you know, the one thing, we're, we're really big on culture. So, you know, a lot of us are just big believers. Um, every Thursday, we kind of set aside our lunch hour, uh, which is not easy because we're we've we've always got things we're doing. But we've set aside Thursdays at noon, and a bunch of us have been doing a Bible study since last January. Uh, we started last year um, just going over Paul's life and and kind of going through Philippians, and and really started talking about you know verses like you know. To, be anxious for nothing. And and we really spent a whole lot of time going through it and working through every single word and, you know, uh, going through words like, uh, you know, nothing or anything. You know, what does that mean in your life? Um, you know, for someone like Paul who had been through so much for him to, to have wisdom to say something like that uh, really kind of spoke to us. So as we kind of worked through that process for about a year and, and worked through that Bible study, it really set us up to to be be ready for this pandemic, to you know, to to not be anxious, to to make good decisions and and make prayer for decisions, and and uh, we we felt like we've done a pretty good job. Yeah, I agree. I don't think I've ever known a time there's been so much stress, really at every level, but especially at the top, because you're you're making decisions not just for our state, but we're also leading as a state with the other states as they're watching to say, well, what does Oklahoma do? What does you know, what, is, what does Texas do? Right. How has that been for you in, in you know, making sure that you're true to our people, but also looking at the big picture of maybe what other people are doing? How does that affect you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting process because, you know, you're making big-time decisions, um, and you're making a lot of them a day. I mean, yeah, 
you know, sometimes you're making billion dollar decisions or you're making mm-hmm. decisions that are uh, truly are uh, life and death. So uh, it, it's not a, it's not easy. We don't take it lightly, um, but we really try to do a good job of if we have big decisions that we're not sure on, you know, not being reactive, um, you know, slowing down, praying about decisions. Um, but know that there's there's plenty of critics out there, no matter what you do. Um, and and this and it's a perfect example for, for this group. I mean, anybody in leadership knows that you know uh, decisions come with criticism one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, we try to make what's the right decision, not always what's the popular decision. We use data, um, and then you know we've we've been blessed and and had some fortunate where other states are calling us saying, hey, how how did you guys do this? Mm-hmm. You know, what's your what kind of data are you looking at? How do you make decisions? Do you have a you know decision tree process? And so that's been really neat to be part of that. Mm-hmm. There was a really great thing that happened in our state that that our governor was a part of called um, Hope um, Rise. Hope Rise, and it was I think as we sat in our living room and watched that live, and man, it was it was an incredible thing to watch our governor lead so well uh, during this time and really invite God into the decisions that are being made into our state and to know that at, every, at the top level of our state, we have a man who's actually seeking after God along with people like you and others that we know that are in your, in your, in your group. But uh, how has that been? And have you taken any criticism for, for doing things like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime you do something like that, you take criticism from certain people. But, uh, you know, ultimately that thing was put together. It was, it was really amazing. I mean, it was the perfect storm to do it. I mean, we we knew that, and we felt like God was really leading us to to do something like that to try mm-hmm. to unify one because we know how powerful hope is. And right. at that time specifically, there was a lot of fear. Fear was really um, kind of the top emotion that we were seeing, and we really believed that hope would would help push that out. Mm-hmm. Um, the the amazing part of it is it was perfect timing. Um, but to see all the networks carry it live, uh, mm-hmm. you know, afterwards we were told there was about 600,000 people in the state who were watching it, um, which is another just amazing testimony that even during trials, even during tribulations, good can come out of it. Um, the other thing that was really neat is there was a lady on there, uh, the first lady's really good friend who, who pretty much gave a word in Spanish. And uh, we had more uh, people, um, and she was specifically talking to the Catholic faith, mm-hmm. and more people who we got uh, you know, notes and letters from, mm-hmm. how that changed and touched their lives uh, than probably anything else we've done. We had no idea what she was saying. I did in my house at least, but all I could tell was there was great passion behind it and great spirit of God behind that. Oh, it, it was powerful. I mean, it was, it, our house was the same way. Um, you know, nobody, unless you spoke Spanish, did you know what she was saying? <laughs> right. But it was, it, was, it was one of those things that you could tell that really God was using her. And once she yeah. got on a roll, it, it really, got, really got going and really spoke to a lot of people. And, you know, we really think part of us uh, coming out of this thing and flattening was because of prayer, not just mm-hmm. our prayer, but just prayer from people around the state who yeah. who joined in during that time to to help uh, help us all pray together. Well, and, and two for people that are watching today that are um, you know you're part of a business and and or maybe you're leading something that you are you do have to be considerate of someone who may not yet be Jesus followers. To be unapologetic, especially at the highest office in our state, is is pretty risky. You know, really, oh, yeah. really risky. But I love the fact that you seem to be unapologetic about that. And yeah, you have to be. I mean, ultimately, when you make decisions like that, um, you know, you, in a position where we're at, we we have the opportunity to get a standing count of people who don't agree with you. Uh, you can go on <laughs> social media. You can you can look at all those things and you can take the negativity out of it, mm-hmm. um, but ultimately we're going to go and decide what we believe is right. What's God calling us to do in these situations? Um, and it's not easy. And it's not always popular, uh, but we truly believe that those are the right decisions. And the governor came in and really set the tone when we took office. 
we start all of our big meetings um, with prayer. He, he leads the prayer every meeting, every big meeting we have, he leads with prayer, which is just unheard of. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you just don't have a governor who does that. And, and there's some people who's been in some meetings that I, I could tell were a little bit uncomfortable. And he, he basically would tell them like, hey, if this makes you uncomfortable, I understand, but this is how I prepare my mm-hmm. heart for meetings. This is how I make sure that I'm prepared so I'm not being selfish in my spirit. Mm-hmm. I wanna make sure I'm making clear decisions. So uh, to me, it was a great way to show that, hey, there's a, there's a good way to do this thing and, and you don't have to put your faith on hold just because you're you know serving in politics. Right, and it always proves out, you know, because mm-hmm. God, we pray, God, God listens, God answers. And it's great to see that our state's been a lighthouse during this time because you definitely can see that when we're being called on by, you know, by the president called us out on right. in a news conference the other day, the president of the United States, and it was really cool to see that. Um, you mentioned to me that there's no such thing as top-down leadership, and you're watching that. What does that mean exactly? Yeah, you know, especially during a pandemic. I mean, the, the thing that we've learned during this pandemic, and I know business leaders are, are sensing this as well, is it really pressure tests the system. Mm-hmm. So you can't just have people at the top making good decisions. I mean, it's all about having good people in your organizations. Hiring the right people is ultimately a, uh, a necessity. Training those people, it's really taught us who are our, who are our, you know, our A players. Mm-hmm. But also, it's, it's really surprises some people who've stepped up. Mm. But when there's so many things coming at us, um, you know, when you're trying to deal with, you know, millions of dollars of orders of PPE, mm. when you're trying to, uh, you know, deal with nursing homes, you can't, you cannot have one person or the people at the top making all the decisions. You've got to be able to push that leadership down. Mm-hmm. And that leadership um, in the middle is what really has got us through those people who've stepped up and helped us carry the weight of everything. Yeah, that's good. I think for even for me as a business owner and in, in some, a lot of my friends that do um, run small businesses, we're finding this has been a real, we were already entering a pruning season. I mean, Pastor Witt spoke to us about pruning back in January. And right. I'm like, oh, that's a good message for someone else. Little did we know that the loppers were coming for us all, you know, mm-hmm. to really dig through our organizations and figure out who's with us, who's not with us. I've got a good friend who's going through this right now. And there were a lot of people that left, right. and left and who leaves in the middle of a pandemic mm-hmm. and they're leaving by their own choice. And, and so it's really been a really good time to find out who's really with you in right. your business. Yeah. And it's no, great it's, to see that. That's exactly right. I mean, I think that's a perfect example is, is we've really seen that, um, you know, that people are truly, uh, uh, truly on the team. Uh, it it mm-hmm. kind of puts you in this bunker mentality where yeah. you're all in this together, yeah. uh, which is really um, probably the part that we'll look back 20 years from now or 30 mm-hmm. years from now, and probably some of our biggest, closest friendships will be built during There's this no time doubt. because we're, we're all in it together. We are. We truly are. We feel like we're in a we're in the trenches for sure, and those are the people that uh, you never forget that. For, yeah, for that's sure. for sure. Um, you know, what, is, what I've loved about you and our friendship is that I, I got to watch some of this with you is that God took you on this amazing journey to get to this place, and uh, it involved giving up something that you were doing in order for God to give you something even greater, which you're doing now. And I, I just I think this is going to be really meaningful pe- for people that are listening today. I want them to hear that from you. Yeah, you know, uh, a couple years ago, uh, we were I was in an opportunity. I was serving as a state representative. Really enjoyed what I was doing. I really felt like God was calling me to step. That my time in that season was over. Didn't quite understand it at the time. Um, little did I know. A month later, my wife found out she had a rare heart aneurysm, uh, which which was great for me in the fact that I had already des- decided God had already put on my heart to, to move uh, in a different direction. So when that happened, it allowed me to stay with her to really kind of help, you know, guide her through her recovery uh, without any guilt. It, it worked out in, a, in the perfect timing, but, but there was a sense of sadness in the fact that mm-hmm. I was giving up something that I really thought I, was, I did well at and uh, had the opportunity to uh, say, okay, God, I know you've got something different for me. I had no idea what that was. Uh, you know, started moving down a different path. And then this opportunity came up, you know, 
a year later. Uh, and and if I now that I look back, I can see all the little maneuvers that God was doing just to one make sure my heart mm-hmm. was right, and two put me in a position that uh, this opportunity would be available for me. Mm-hmm. So rewind just for a second back to that day where you felt like that you were supposed to lay down your your job as a representative. Did you feel at that point that did you feel like you were taking a step back? I did a little bit. I mean, it was it was it was a really interesting process because you know it, it wasn't just an overnight. Hey, here's what's going to happen. It was this slow churn of God speaking to me about it, mm-hmm. and then I remember telling my wife about it. Like, hey, I just don't feel like I'm supposed to rerun. And mm-hmm. of course, she was like, "What well, you're so good at it." Mm-hmm. And all good wives build their husbands <laughs> up. Uh, but uh, I, uh, it, it, God just kind of kept working on me, kept working. On me. So finally, when I got to the part where I just said, "I know 100, I need to make this decision," mm-hmm. even though I, you know there was uncertainty, I had a complete peace about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was the amazing part of it. Yeah, you know, um, for a lot of people right now, I think uh, even myself in in business is that we do feel a little bit like we're taking a step back. Um, and maybe we've lost some things, and especially those who are watching, I'm sure there's a lot of you that have have lost something along this, whether it's employees, whether it's work, whether it's finances, or even it's with a, a family or loved one who's, who actually has died of the virus. There has been a great sense of loss in a lot of this, and I think in your story, um, I, I'd seen that a little bit of like, man, like, like your wife said, you were really good at that, you know, um, and we look now and we're saying, you know, what can God do with something when it may seem like a minus that actually becomes a positive because we're only seeing the small portion of the bigger picture that God is writing, the bigger story that God's writing for us. And for you, it went from being a representative to being right next to the man. You right. Know? And uh, man, how, what, kind of, what kind of steps in the middle of that you know, there's the daily thing. So you're with Crystal and you're in the, you know, you're in the hospital or you're, um, you know, before you got the call to go do, did you, was there any sort of desert there where you wonder, what am I doing or where am I going? Was there ever moments No, absolutely. Like that? I mean, when, when Crystal was in the hospital for two weeks, um, you know, it, it really reset our priorities. It mm-hmm. really reset everything because no longer does financial security matter. No longer does jobs matter. You know, all that pretty much got reset. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were just so blessed and happy to be healthy um, for mm-hmm. her health, for friendships, for our community. Um, so it really kind of reset all those things for us. And then as we kind of built our way back out of that, um, you know, it was there was so much unknown because we knew what God had called us to do those mm-hmm. those years before, and mm-hmm. now it was a new journey and a new season. So for us, it was like, okay, God, you've we've trusted you in these decisions before, and you've led us down this path, and we know you've got something bigger for us. So mm-hmm. it was a uh, it truly was an amazing process. So as we worked through that, um, I remember uh, you know when I first got the call um, from then uh, candidate Stitt, uh, who had just won uh, just won his election. He he would have been governor elect at the time. Uh, I remember getting a call saying, "Hey, uh, he'd like to meet with you about this position." And I'm thinking, like, me? What does he want to meet me for? <laughs> you know. And I and I remember even telling Crystal, like, we're working our way out of politics. And then you know. Um, but then I remember just this sense when, when me and him first sat down, you know, for the first time that, that God was just, you know, truly had moved us over to go through a different mm-hmm. door. You know, that door might have shut, but there was a door to the left mm-hmm. that he was maneuvering us for to walk through that was a bigger and better door. What was the time frame b- b- beside the time from when you laid down your representative job to the job to the time you got the phone call from him? Yeah, so literally my last day in office was um, like November 6th or 7th, and I got the call the next week. So it literally was within that week wow. that, that I officially had ended that term. Mm-hmm. And the very next week I got that call 
and the process started. And then within a couple of weeks, I was offered the job. It just so reminds me of Psalm 512 that says, he surrounds you with favors with the shield. Yeah. And then also just a scripture that says, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And for yeah. you, your steps were definitely ordered. And I look now at all the things you've been facing and our state's been facing. And it's, it's so good to know that we've got someone in office that actually is putting God first and is actually inviting him into the decisions. Yeah. But you think about who else could be in that, who else could have filled those shoes if you didn't say yes. No, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, that's exactly right. You know, we really believe that uh, if we'd have tried to do things on our own, you know, if, if I would have said, hey, I'm leaving office and I'm going to pursue taking this next job, mm-hmm. which is going to be six down months down the road, and mm-hmm. we'll try to figure out how to bang on that door and open ourselves, I think that door would have stayed shut forever. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that would have been, you know, God's will. But ultimately, when it was something we weren't looking for that God knew, you know, years before that, hey, I'm, I'm preparing you for this next position and yeah. there's going to be some... You know, there's going to be times when I've got to take you on a detour, and sometimes that Mm -hmm. detour is through the gravel and through the weeds, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to get you back on the road, and you're going to be able to, you know, bypass some things that maybe you you wouldn't want to go through otherwise. So right now, if if you're talking to someone, a man that's watching that— uh, is or a woman for that matter too that's watching and, and can say they're kind of in that spot right now where they're not where they were but they're not where they're going to be what would you say to them right now and yeah I mean ultimately I would I would really you know encourage a man or woman or, or teenager anybody who's in this position and you know I'm, I'm speaking to myself right now that ultimately uh you know, enjoy where you're at, you know, really bloom where God's put you right now. You know, a perfect example of that is uh, that Jacob's ladder, you know, that exercise machine that you climb and you never Mm -hmm. get to the top and it's just, it goes round and round and round. Um, There's no such thing as the top. I mean, as you continue to climb, you'll realize that that there's people ahead of you. There's always going to be bigger leaders ahead of you. There's always going to be people who make more money. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be people um, who, who have more success than you. And that's okay. Uh, ultimately, you've got to be content on where you're at, and God will will bloom you where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And when the time's right, He will lead you in that next direction. And, and yeah. sometimes, you know, God prunes us, and mm-hmm. as you said earlier, He prunes us, and we don't know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, but little do we know that you know that pruning that will help us grow to the next level. Yeah. And sometimes it's painful, and mm-hmm. sometimes we'll ask a lot of questions: Why, God, are you doing this? Yeah. But ultimately, you know, God's walking through us with that, and, and that's the biggest comfort is you know trusting Him, even mm-hmm. when you can't see Him, even when, he, even when you don't think He's around, He's around, yeah. um, and just continue to put your faith in Him and and just keep pushing forward. Well, Scripture says that uh, we are the vine and He's the vine dresser, and I think uh, just recently the story of of having my trees trimmed and and the guy came out and said, uh, "Hey, I, you, know, you you need to do some work on these trees. They're top heavy, and you know they could." They could they could break in a windstorm, which you know is Oklahoma. That's right. Where the wind always comes sweeping down the way in April and May, and so I came out one day and he he um, I came home and the, the trees were trimmed and it looked like we had had a tornado that came through my beautiful trees that uh, were had looked so beautiful. And the the problem was is before the prune they look fantastic. Right. They look great. Right. And so I asked the guy who trimmed them. I said, why did why did you need to trim these trees? Like he said, well. For future growth, and he said, I'll, he said, "I'll just take you a little lesson on pruning." He said, "Pruning works like this: you're, you're going to hate me for a little while. It's very ugly, right? And then you're going to call me back in two years and say yeah. it's the great, greatest thing that ever yeah. happened." Yeah. So for people that are watching today that have been pruned or have been, or, or God asked them to lay down something, um, to come back, you know, now you're on the other side of that, saying pruning was worth it. It hurt. Yeah. It hurt to lay down. I'm sure reputation wise. Oh you know, yeah. Oh for yeah. For you to go here, I what here you were, you know, a representative and. It comes with a lot of you know clout and notoriety, and people you know, there's respect for that. And right. then you didn't do that anymore. You know? No, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's uh, 
it, it reminds me of a story of a book I'm reading right now, and it, it gives an example of, you know, and, and like all men can relate to this, it, it gives the uh, perfect example of going through uh, with Rocky in Rocky One and mm-hmm. how he's, you know, he's laying there and he's talking one night to Adrian, and he, he says, you know, I don't care if I win. You know, I don't care if he opens me up. I just want to go 15 rounds with a champ. Mm. You know, I want to be able to just show that I that I'm not a bum. You know, mm. and I, that I that I'm worth something. You know, and I think every man has that inside him. Mm. You know, they've got a voice of you know this sinful nature that tells us every day you're a bum. Mm. You know, you're a bum. So when you have setbacks, that voice gets louder. You know, yes, yes, and it that does. voice is you know you know look what look what happened. You know, this is your fault, or look you're not you're not doing the things you do. And I, I think that. That, that you're a bum voice becomes louder and louder and louder, and that's when you've got to be closer to God than ever so that God will, you know, quiet that voice, and you can start hearing his voice that, you know, says, hey, I've, I've called you for, for this, I've called you for this, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the opportunities because every man, um, you know, they, they've got this internal drive to succeed, you know, mm-hmm. and, and want to prove that there's something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's our greatest asset to help us push and move and do all these great things, but it's also our greatest weakness because we also try trying to knock down doors to prove that we're not bums. Right. Um, and sometimes God's like, no, that's, that's not the door I wanted you to knock down. You know, yeah. th- there's another one. So I, I think that's a very powerful message. That's so good. Um, I think our, you know, we, we can easily wrap up our, our reputation and, and our self-esteem on what we do. Um, and, and during this time, really... Uh, we've had to back up a lot and say, is my trust in what I do? Is my trust in my clients? Is my trust in my employer? Is my trust in the people around me? Mm-hmm. Uh, is my trust in my 401k? Right. You know? Or is my trust in the person that's no longer there because they passed away? Um, I think we've all are being tested in that, in that this, and this has been the greatest message I think for all of us is really to put our trust only in the name of God. Right. You know, only in the name of the Lord is where, that's where our trust relies. So jobs come and go, money comes and go. Paul says, you know, I've learned to be content with little, content with a lot, right. you know, but I've learned to be content. And I think that's the thing that we've been learning so much in this season is how to be content in all things and trust that um, God's got us. God's mm-hmm. got us in, in all, in every area. I had a friend just recently that he said, I've got a word for you. And I says, what is it? He goes, God's got you. Right. You know, I'm like, thank you. Yeah. You know, thank yeah. you. For that, and I've, I definitely see that for you. What would you say to uh, you know? We we all are filling roles here as men, and especially as a dad, as a husband. Yeah. Uh, what what kind of advice can you give us during this time, leading in a time of pandemic? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I feel like I'm probably the last person to give advice on this because I <laughs> right now my life is really kind of out of whack. Um, mm-hmm. But but ultimately, you know, I've heard growing up a lot. Uh, you know, different leaders say, "Hey, you've got to find this." you know, this work-life balance. And I think in so many lines, people think that's a 50-50, mm-hmm. 50% work, 50% family. I, I, you know, I don't believe that. I think in seasons, those times change. I, I envision it more like a teeter-totter, you know, when you're sometimes work's going to carry more time and then yeah. sometimes family's going to carry more time. The trick is is to not have that thing stop on one side or the other, you know, that, you, you don't, that you're not stuck down only doing family stuff, that you neglect your business or you neglect kind of what you're, you're called to do work-wise or called to do in the church. Um, but to have that some sort of balance, uh, which is which is not easy because, you know, like in my job now um, in this pandemic, I mean, for, you know, pretty much the last since the first of March, um, you know, we're burning 60, 80, 90 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the time that we're awake, we're getting phone calls and are on call. So 
it's not easy, but the the important thing is, and kind of what I'm I'm really trying to do right now is to tell myself is, hey, if I'm going to fail somewhere, let's fail at work. Don't mm-hmm. fail at home, you know. And, and that's really good. You say that again. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> no, and it's something I'm, I'm telling myself, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm not just telling the men out there, you know, if, if you're going to fail at something, don't fail at home. You know, ultimately, you can get another job, you can get other opportunities. Um, but don't burn yourself so bad on the other end that mm-hmm. that you, that you ruin your family. You mm-hmm. know, ultimately, I've got three boys at home: a sixteen-year-old, a fourteen-year-old, eleven-year-old, and, wow. and I got my wife. Yeah. And and uh, for the last, you know, since March, I've I've really burned it on the other end, and, mm-hmm. and really trying to tell myself, hey, come back and and make sure that you're trying to be intentional as much as possible at home. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's not an easy process, but it's definitely necessary because uh, at the end of the day. Um, my family will know how much time I spent at work. Um, my family will, will know the repercussions of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, people in Oklahoma, there always can be another Secretary of State. There always can be people mm-hmm. to fill my role, um, but uh, nobody can fill my role as a father and a husband, and, and that's something I've got to remind myself every day. Man, what a great perspective. That's such a good, great perspective. Um, I had a couple of people uh, write in a few questions um, that were wanted to have a couple things answered. One was, what's it look like to work with leaders of different beliefs and political persuasion? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great question. I mean, the one thing that uh, that our team has been really good about is not not being upset with difference of opinion, mm-hmm. um, and even different opinion. I mean, we have believers and non-believers part of our team and part of our decision process. We embrace it. I mean, we really try to have a respectful a way to get through solutions um, in a way that we say, hey. Uh, we we do not want people who are all alike. We don't want people who are just going to rubber stamp stuff and yeah. say yes. You know that's exactly the way we we want to do it. We we get into a room and we hash out big ideas. And sometimes it's like a family. You know sometimes you you know you raise your voice and sometimes you know things you know go differently. But ultimately we try to uh, hash it out, make the best best decisions. We hug it out at the end. It's mm-hmm. not personal. Mm-hmm. But what we found is by having. Uh, you know, a different voices of opinion on a, on a single subject is is very beneficial. It's, it's mm-hmm. been very fruitful for us. Um, and ultimately, it, it really sharpens you to make you try to understand and believe, and, you know, and make you remember like, hey, why do I believe in this? And why is this the decision? Mm-hmm. And what you find is, is those decisions that are our best decisions are ones that we don't normally start all in consensus on, that, yeah, that we have good. to get there together. Um, and, and, and those are the best decisions we usually make. Is there something that, and this was another question that, that someone asked, is there, is there anything that you wish that we as people who are just living here in our state knew about what you do that would help us maybe give you a little more grace? During this time, yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, obviously, whether it be in politics or any sort of you know leadership, uh, the higher you are, the more likely you got people who want to take shots at you. You know, one thing I learned a long time ago, you know, playing sports is, uh, you know, don't worry about the criticism or the mm-hmm. praise. You know, ultimately, mm-hmm. I had a coach who'd say, "Don't read the newspaper," uh, which you know, now it's don't read social media because they give you too much credit during the good times and they, you know, and they, they tell you how terrible you are during the bad times and, sure. and somewhere you're, you know, you're using the middle. So we, we really, our, our team is really good about not, you know, not letting those, those things affect us. I mean, we take input, we want to make good decisions, um, but not letting those things, uh, not worried about criticism or praise in our decision-making process has really been beneficial because, if we made decisions only based on you know the chatter we're hearing from some certain people, you those, mean you don't consult social media before you make decisions? You know we uh, <laughs> we we try not to uh, because those those winds you know shift really quickly sure. and and ultimately when you're making really big decisions, 
you've you've got metrics. So we're you know whether that be just using direct data or just the information right in front of you. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, we I tell people all the time like, hey, uh, you can be mad about our our decision, and you can even say you'll make a different decision, but unless you have the data and the real time decision making process um, you know that's that's where our decisions are made mm-hmm. uh, you know it's it's a lot like baseball you know it, you're going to swing and miss sometimes but ultimately our our job is to put the ball in play and 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 try to be as successful as possible yeah that's good it's really really good uh, where do you see our, our leadership evolving in the future for our state and and um, what skills are becoming more important than they used to be yeah, I think uh, ultimately our goal is to try to get more people involved, you know, try to get those people. I mean, a lot of people, I, I was the same way six years ago. I had no intent and in ever wanting to be part of politics. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't grow up in a political family. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to college to be a political science major. Had no interest in it whatsoever. Um, but what I found is trying to get really good men and women involved who, who really have a belief uh, of service is is where it all starts because it truly is um, a service. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. it's there's a lot of and there's a lot of opportunities. You know, we've been very fortunate um, last year that we attracted some really talented people to government. I mean, people who truly made way too much money and uh, you know didn't have the the time and were way overqualified to do it. But we were able to sell them on, hey, we need you to jump in and help mm-hmm. the state. You know, we need to jumpstart this. We need you to serve for a season. Um, so, you know, I tell what the state ultimately needs moving forward is more people willing to say, hey, I want to help craft the future of this state, you know, because uh, if if not, then you can't complain about what you get. You know, that's what I tell right. my kids all the time, you know, be part of the process, right. get in there. Um, you know, we, we need more men and women who, who you know, believe God's calling to do these things, who will make mm-hmm. good, sound judgment mm-hmm. decisions uh, to help move the state forward. Yeah. And then secondly, what were, what skills are becoming more important than they used to be maybe? Well, I think, you know, part of part of the skill process, and I, you only learn it through trials and tribulations and fire, is is having a little bit of thick skin in, in making decisions. Um, because, sure. you know, politics is a kind of a blood sport game um, <laughs> because, you know, people really envy power, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, you know, when we're hiring, when we're trying to bring people into government, we look for very specific characteristics. So we look for people who aren't selfish, who don't have an agenda, who are willing to who get out there and want to help the state do better, mm-hmm. um, and ultimately uh, have the same demeanor of are going to be we call it street smart. Mm-hmm. So not people um, who come in and say, "Hey, this is a process that always has to be." We want people to get in there and to be able to be able to make real time street decisions. You know, uh, and the governor gives a perfect example of that as. Um, you know, in his mortgage company in the past, they would they'd have people come in and they they you know for. 20 straight years, their payment was on time. And then all of a sudden, they'd have one person who this person would, you know, have a late payment and they'd call in and say, hey, you know, I had a glitch in my bank. And and they would always say, be street smart. If you look back and those people have been good, mm-hmm. you know, waive the late fee. That's not something mm-hmm. that you want to lose a customer over. So mm-hmm. we've taken that kind of same approach to our team and say, hey, be street smart. You know, go out and make really good decisions, but everything doesn't have to be black and white all the time. You know, let's try to push the envelope as far as being innovative. Let's try to push technology. Let's try to ask the questions just because it's always been this way doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't always have to be this way in the future. So right. that's kind of been our culture uh, and, and really hiring for culture and hiring those people that way has become really uh, really a good way for us to move forward. Yeah, so good. Well, we're coming to the close here. I um, I definitely think that um, 
speaking from from all of the circle and definitely all of your your brothers here from Men's Breakfast, that we're incredibly grateful for your leadership, your servant leadership, your spirit-focused leadership, and really um, being able to see into what God wants for our state and really ask Him and invite Him in. We're very, very grateful for that. And we want to be able to support you and continue to pray for you uh, as we have. Um, I, I want, uh, in this time especially, for someone who's been in a place where you understand what it's like to maybe take a step back, uh, and especially in a time where you really had to put your, your family first, you had to right. put your wife first during this time, and you kind of you know, really laid down your career for, for a time being so that you could, you could be at home and take care of her. Um, I want you to, to just pray for the people today that might be watching and they're saying, I'm just in a, I'm in a rough place. I'm in a really rough place, and maybe um, I've experienced some incredible loss. And someone like you would understand what that what that feels like, and even have the threat. You know, your wife goes through open heart surgery. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a threat there on her life, and what you're. I'm sure the enemy came to you and told you all kinds of crazy things that you right. had to really keep at bay. Um, I'm sure a lot of the people that are watching today have got a lot of crazy things going on in their head and wondering what this is going to look like on the other side, and you know what is what is what is normal going to be after this. You know, will I will I ever get back what I lost? Right. Um, I want you to be able to just spend a minute here and pray. And then after you finish, I'm going to pray and close this out. And we want to, we want to pray for you uh, and for um, your leadership and for our governor. So go Excellent. ahead. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today, Lord. We just thank you uh, for everybody who's tuned in and watching this, Lord God. We know that you have called certain people today to hear this message, Lord, and to hear this interview, God. Lord, we know there's many people out there who have heavy, heavy burdens, Lord, whether it be financial or or family-wise, or spiritual, Lord. God, we know that there's there's people watching this who are unsure what the future looks like on jobs, on clients. And God, we, we pray over that, Lord. We pray a sense of peace over them. Lord, we pray that you will just meet them right where they're at, God. That even in this turmoil, Lord, even in this, in this winter, Lord, in their life, God, that we know that you have brighter skies ahead of us, Lord, that you will help us to keep our eyes upon those things, Lord, that you will guide each and every one today. God, I pray just a covering of love and peace and joy, Lord, and I just thank you for that, God. I pray that you will just uh, open the doors that you have for these for anybody who's watching, Lord. Lord, we know that sometimes uh, things feel helpless, God. We feel like uh, whether that be through health, Lord, that whether that be through finance, Lord, that in our own spirit, Lord, and in this world, things are hopeless, God. And Lord, we're on a fallen world, Lord, and we know that, God, and we know that you surround us, Lord, and we thank you for that. We thank you that you go before us, Lord, and you prepare that path. God, we pray that you will prepare our hearts, Lord, that you will just touch us in everything we do. God, give us favor. Give us grace. Lord, help us to be anxious for nothing. Lord, give us peace in this time. Help us to be the, the, the men and women, the leaders you've called us to be. Lord, help us just to take time out of our days, Lord, to stop and slow down, Lord, to see hurting people around us, God. And as we see them, Lord, help us to meet those needs. Lord, help us to search our own hearts each and every day. Help us to search for any selfish desires, any selfish ambitions that not of you, Lord. Help us to remove those, God, and we thank you for that. And we praise you, Lord, for the things you're doing and the things that we don't even see you're doing, Lord. And we pray that you will remind us of those things in the future, how you are faithful to us even during the hard times. And we love you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. And Lord, we thank you for our state's leadership. Lord, we thank you that the heart of the king is in your hands, Lord, and especially in the state of Oklahoma. We thank you for our governor, Governor Stitt. Lord, I pray that you would continue, Lord, to empower him to lead, Lord, with incredible um, spirit-led leadership, Lord, out of faith. Lord, I have trusting in, in a God who is more than enough, especially in the time when you, when you see lack in, in so many different areas. 
Lord, I also just pray for, for Michael Rogers today. Lord, I thank you that he is a faithful man. Lord, that your word says a faithful man will abound with blessing. And I thank you that he will abound with blessing in his leadership, in his influence, in our influence over all the other states in the United States. I thank you that uh, his family will continue to prosper. Even in with him not being there, Lord, we know that he is a he is a, a, a missionary to our state right now. And, and Lord, I pray for a return on his time with his family, Lord, that, that times of refreshing would come, that it wouldn't be stressful on him uh, and on his family, Lord. But I thank you that you'll give him ideas, Lord, as he prays that of ways through. Lord, we're living in a time where we can't find an, a- an answer in a, in a book somewhere because we just haven't lived in these times yet. Lord, I thank you that you will speak uh, ideas to him in the, in the night when he's sleeping, Lord, and, and even during the day as he's meeting with his team, Lord, I thank you for peace. I thank you for a way through, Lord, that, that maybe has never, obviously has never been done before. And Lord, I thank you that he will give glory for it, Lord, and our state will be lifted up because we chose to lift you up during this time, Lord. We love you. Thank you for Michael Rogers and the gift he is to us and to our church. In Jesus' name, amen.